chapter 8 this afternoon. It's page 865 if you've got one of our black Bibles. I'm going to read it for us in a minute. We're in the middle of our identity series, so reminding ourselves who we are, reminding ourselves of our vision as a church and our values of being people who are marked by these three particular things. Hello, Rebecca. Um, So if you remember last week, we started off and we introduced our first value, which was truth. Thank you, Zana. Uh, Well done. And we're kind of moving things around a little bit, but this afternoon we're going to look at what it is for us to be a people who have been, are being, and will be transformed. Let me read. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 30. And they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city, how much Jesus had done for him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for such a powerful reminder of all you have already done for us. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that he is here now in our midst by his spirit. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you desire to speak to us and transform us. And Father, we, we believe that your word is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we ask that you would change us for the glory of the Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. In the Gerasenes, the sun goes down, and everyone locks their doors. Now, we all live in places, in a city where we lock our doors as well, but in this place, you wouldn't even look out the window. Never mind open your door. In this town, there's danger in the darkness. At night, the 
townspeople could hear piercing shrieks echo through the valley from a man who writhed in agony in the darkness of the tombs. His home was amongst the dead and his only company was the demons that had taken possession of him years before and given him the name Legion. This name is a military term. It's a term used for a band of soldiers, often numbering over a thousand men. Legion was given to him as a name to reflect the multitude of demons that tormented him. And this man was a force to be reckoned with. He showed supernatural strength. He would often break free of the chains that the soldiers had used to restrain him and they'd wrestle him back down with ropes and chains and bind him up again. Jesus' boat heads towards this region. The Gerasenes was a military outpost. It's a place where Roman soldiers would go and they'd retire there. Of particular importance for Jesus, though, this was a Gentile region. These were not the people that Jesus had been spending his time with. These were not the disciples' people. The disciples are with him and they're heading towards this region that feels out of place, feels like they shouldn't be there, and, and they're tired. They're physically tired and they're emotionally tired. They just spent a night out on the sea battling a storm. They've been working hard. They, they thought they were going to die and they've been working their way through this storm, but they've also been witness to an unimaginable miracle. The storm that they were in was severe. It was that bad. They were thinking they were going to die and the, the disciples go down to the bottom of the boat and they wake up Jesus and Jesus stands with all authority and says to the wind and the waves, be still. And they were. Anyone who was in that boat with Jesus that night was under no illusion that Jesus had full authority over all of creation. But what about the force that had plagued humanity right from the beginning? They've seen that he's got authority over creation, but what about evil? Humanity was created in the image of God. We were made in his perfect image. We were made to reflect his character. We were made to be in perfect relationship with him. But from the moment that Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, that image was broken. The mirror was shattered. And every single man and woman who was born after Adam is born as a broken image bearer. And we are born in rebellion against God. And we are born with a a natural desire for evil. And so the disciples have seen and are in no doubt that Jesus has authority over creation. But what about the powers of evil that have enslaved humanity since Adam? As the disciples land the boat on the beach, they'd already heard of Legion. Legion was like that character who, you know, you'd heard about but never seen. That mythological man who lives up in the, in the hills you'd heard lots of stories about and you'd hope that you'd never encounter. They were well aware of Legion. Legion was this caricature of evil. They'd heard the stories and everyone would avoid this area if they could. But not Jesus. As soon as Jesus steps out from the boat, the conflict begins. Legion sees Jesus, and Jesus sees Legion. And Legion standing naked, scared, covered in blood, and he cries out, What do you want with me, Jesus? 
And then he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he begs Jesus, don't torture me. But that isn't Jesus' intention at all. Instead, Jesus turns to the legion and gently asks, what is your name? Tell me your name. Maybe the softest, kindest words that Legion has ever heard. What's your name? Jesus sees through the brokenness and the torment and he meets this man in gentleness and love. Now, Jesus, uh, Legion hadn't come to Jesus for help. Like we don't actually know why he's there. Maybe he's come down to scare Jesus away. Maybe he's come to show Jesus his strength. We don't know why he's there, but what we do know is that this is where real transformation begins. At the feet of Jesus. See, we all yearn for change, folks. We all want our lives to be better. We all want this world to be better. And some of us even get to the point of realizing that we need to change. But the desire for transformation and the reality of transformation in our lives are two different things. You see, the problem is for us is as we pursue transformation, we're pursuing it in a world of disorder, a world of chaos, a world of brokenness. And Legion's tried Legion's tried to find change. He's tried to find transformation. Some nights he'd break free of the chains with a supernatural strength and he'd run off into the desert. And he'd be screaming and he'd run and he'd run, but with nowhere to go and nowhere to help, he'd just come back and return to the tombs. Mark tells us in his account that often his torment would get so bad that he'd resort to cutting himself. Self-harming, no doubt in an effort to free himself from the pain of his life. But nothing seems to help. No change, no transformation. But this day would be different. Because true transformation, folks, begins with Jesus. Jesus asks him his name and he says, my my name is the Legion. And then the demons take over and they know who Jesus is. They call him the son of God and they immediately submit to the authority of Jesus. And they beg Jesus, don't send us into into the abyss, but, but send us into the pigs. There's a herd of pigs nearby. Send us over there. And so Jesus does. The demons leave the man and they go into the pigs and the demons are probably hoping that they can get away from Jesus. They can get as far as they can away from the son of God and they want to get away from there. But instead, the enemies of this man, the ones who have been enslaving this man, are driven by God into the sea and they are overcome by the waves. And the man goes free. See, if you know your Bible and you know the story of God's people, you'd see shadows of the exodus in this story. God bringing freedom from slavery. God sending the enemies of his people into the sea and then being overcome by the waves. That is the story of God's people throughout history. We are a people who are enslaved and need freeing from our slavery and that is what God does. See, as we live in this life, folks, we might be free. We might feel like we're free. We might feel like we're free to live the lives that we want and eat what we want and wear what we want and and go where we want. But 
but we're not free to be who we should be or, or who we truly want to be outside of God. Because the reality of our natural condition is that we are controlled by what captures our heart. And for as long as we are enslaved by sin, as long as sin captures our hearts, we're not free to be truly human. Which is why Legion needs Jesus. Which is why we need Jesus. When we come to Jesus and sit at his feet, he defeats our enemies and brings us into freedom. And there is no evil, there is no sin, there is no idol in this world that he cannot overcome. See, if we bumped into Legion, if he was sitting outside of Tesco's and we bumped into him, we'd, we'd probably think, oh, what this guy needs is a, is a new set of clothes or a warm shower or maybe he needs some specialist help. But Jesus sees beyond that. Like those things might be important, they might help, but they won't really address the real transformation that he needs. Jesus knows And Jesus sees that before anything else, Legion needs God to transform his relationship with him. That is our first and greatest need in being transformed and changed. We need God to transform our relationship with him. See, Legion, as he's presented in Luke's gospel, he's a picture of lost humanity. Listen to how Luke describes him. He's in darkness. Evil torments him. He's surrounded by death. He's enslaved. He's isolated. these, These are all pictures and words that the Bible uses to describe our condition outside of God. That's who we are. We're in darkness. We're tormented by evil. We're surrounded by death. We're enslaved. We're isolated. We're cut off from the people that we need to be with. Legion is a picture of lost humanity. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it couldn't be more clear. Hundreds of years before Legion, God describes those who walk in rebellion to him like this. He says, they live in tombs and spend nights in dark corners, eating the meat of pigs and using unclean food. You see, like, it's no coincidence that Legion's story is framed by tombs and darkness and pigs because he is a picture of lost humanity. But he is also a picture of the power of God to change us to transform us through the gospel. Legion's story is our story, folks. That means the transformation that he receives is open to us as well. See, the stories and lead, the details in Legion's story are deliberate. The words that Luke uses, the pictures that he presents are deliberate. They're leading us to a greater liberation, a greater story which is held out to all who will believe, not just one man, Just look at Legion again. Okay, he's despised by his community. He's rejected and he's cut off from his own people. He's bound by men and he's taken outside of the town. He's stripped naked. He's ashamed. He has open wounds. He's covered in blood. He's tormented by evil. He's surrounded by darkness and death. And then he's confined to the tombs. And then Jesus changes everything. Like, can you see how Luke's trying to lead us and show us that Legion's story is the blueprint for the greatest story? Legion's story is, is, is the kind of the story that leads us towards the, the place of greatest transformation. There are hints and breadcrumbs of the most impossible, glorious story the universe has ever seen in Legion's story. The cross of Jesus Christ. 
the cross, Jesus takes the place of legion. At the cross, Jesus is despised. At the cross, Jesus is rejected. At the cross, Jesus is bound by men and he is taken outside of the town. At the cross, he's stripped naked. At the cross, Jesus is wounded. At the cross, Jesus bleeds. And at the cross, he is tormented as he becomes legion sin and my sin and your sin and the sin of every man and woman who will ever have faith to believe in him. And as he bears our sin, he's cut off from God as the judgment due to us is poured out on him. At the cross, he's surrounded by darkness and his body is disfigured and his body is disgraced and eventually it slips into death and he is placed in a tomb. Jesus, the son of the most high, suffers and dies for our rebellion. But then... Jesus changes everything. Just like he defeated the enemies who were opposing the legion, just like he defeats the enemies of God's people in the Exodus, so he defeats ours at the cross. He rises again, showing his victory over death, showing that our sins have been forgiven, showing that he has defeated Satan who torments us. He takes our sin and he brings us back to God. He makes us right with God and he transforms our relationship with God. So transformation is the second of our core values. We want to be a church who pursue gospel transformation. That is transformation that is rooted and found in Jesus. We want to pursue gospel transformation in our lives and others in the context of discipling communities. But we need to see that it all starts here at the cross. Our transformation starts at the cross. That is where we are changed. And that's why we love the cross, folks. Like, that sounds crazy. Why would we love an instrument of torture? Why would we love the sight of a father sending his son to suffer and die? Because it's in his death that we are transformed. And that is the unchangeable change. Nothing can undo that. We have been made right with God, so we are no longer his enemies. We are united to the father through the son by the adoptive power of the Holy Spirit. So we are now his sons and daughters. The cross transforms us from death to life, from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from enemies to disciples. The transformation we receive through Jesus' death and resurrection is the foundation for all other change. See, the goal that God has in our lives isn't just salvation. God's goal for us is our glorification. That is the restoration of the glorious, sinless image in which we were first created, the image of his son. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit in the context of community, he is going to work in us every day to transform us, every day to make us more and more into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And here's where we see it. The foundation of our chains is transformation of our relationship with God and then we see a daily ongoing transformation in our knowledge in our desires in our character and in our experience of life we all love a good diagram there we go let me just kind of walk us through these four areas of daily transformation that we see God transforms our knowledge of him so we see the character of God at the cross we see the beauty of the gospel at the cross, but God wants us to know more. And so he transforms us through his word. 
There's a beautiful picture in the passage that we read. Jesus brings Legion the freedom that he desperately needed. And immediately, what do we see Legion do? Luke says he is sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Verse 35. Legion looks like a different man. He's clothed. His shame has been covered and he's in his right mind. He has a peace. That's the work of the cross. That's the work that God does in our lives. He covers our shame and he gives us his peace. But the work has only just begun. Legion's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's at the place of a student. He's listening to Jesus. He's receiving Jesus' teaching. And so do we. We don't receive salvation at the cross and then walk away. We engage in daily transformation. Romans 12, 12 says this. We know these verses probably. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Our minds are transformed. Our knowledge of God grows and our understanding of who he is grows each day. Hebrews 4, 12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. God's word is living, it's alive, it's doing a work in us. God wants to grow our knowledge of him each day. God's word exposes our hearts and teaches us righteousness. The truth, truth that we learned about last week, transforms us. And we know this, like how many times have we come to GC or come along on a Sunday or just open our Bibles and spend just a little bit of time listening to God's word and we come away changed. We feel that, right? That's what God's doing. He's transforming us through growing our knowledge of who he is. And that is why whenever we gather together, folks, we will gather together with God's truth in our hands. Our minds are transformed and next our desires are transformed. Like look at the, look at the change, look at the transformation in Legion. Before he meets Jesus, he's tormented by evil. Squirrels come to have a little listen. Um, Francis of Assisi used to talk to squirrels, apparently. Okay, um, let's get back. The chains in Legion. Before he meets Jesus, he's tormented by evil. He doesn't want to be anywhere near Jesus. He wants Jesus to leave him. He hates Jesus. But after his encounter, he can't get enough of him. He's sitting at his feet and he begs Jesus, verse 38, let me go with you. I want to come with you. Don't leave me here. I want to come with you. I want more of you. See, the more we grow in our knowledge of God, the more we grow to love God and the more we grow to live for him. He asks Jesus to go with him and Jesus says, no, I want you to stay. I want you to return to your home and testify to the transformation that you have received. And in Luke's gospel, Legion becomes the first evangelist. Isn't that beautiful? He goes and he tells what's happened in his life. Guys, I guess that as he goes, he goes at great cost. Like we already get a sense of how hostile the town are to Jesus, right? Like they don't want Jesus to stick around. They ask Jesus to go. They're fearful of Jesus. They're hostile. They're rejecting of Jesus. And Jesus says, go and tell them. Go and tell those people who've already shown that they're opposed to the message. And he does. What a transformation in the man. What a change in legion. 
And I want to encourage us, that is a transformation that has taken place in every one of our hearts who have faith in Jesus. As we grow in our love for God, we will loosen our grip on the things of this world and we will take radical steps of faith for him because he's grown our desire for him. And I know some of you have sold houses. Like, that's crazy. Some of you have crazy amounts of money to the church. Some of the people in the life of our church have made career sacrifices to go and serve the poor in Africa. So often I hear of you guys opening your mouths and talking about Jesus in times and places that I know are going to cost you. But you do it because your desires for God are growing every day. And this is an ongoing work. Like those things are wonderful and glorious. But for some of us, our desires change into be more for God and less for ourselves. That might just be one less lustful look. It might be one less harsh word. It doesn't matter how big or small it is, folks. God transforming our desires for him and us seeing the outworking of that, us seeing these small changes, that is glorious evidence of our desires grow for God. And so when we see that in each other, when we see the growth of love in each other at Liberty Church, I want to encourage us to celebrate that, to encourage each other, to put our arms around each other and say, do you know what? The way you responded back there, I just see God, I just see your love for God growing in that moment. To encourage, to spare each other one on as our desires to love him and serve him grow. And as our desires change, so will our character. That's the next area of transformation. The goal of God has always been for us to live like Jesus. And don't be fooled, that is what it is to be truly human. He was the true human. He is the true human. We are created in his image, but sin distorts and enslaves us, making us less than human. And I love how, how the Bible translators, you know the way they kind of put titles at the start of of each of the stories. And in our ESV, they title it, Jesus heals a man with a demon. I don't know if anyone's got an NIV, but I actually prefer the NIV translation. They title it as this. Jesus restores the demon-possessed man. Jesus is making legion who he was made to be. And that is what he is doing in each of our lives. And so let me just encourage you, if you're a Christian here this afternoon and you are doubting your faith, just, just spend a moment to look back at who you were and who you are now. Look at the transformation in your life. Look at how you once lived. Look at the things that you used to love and the things that you used to hate and the things that you used to invest your time in and look at how those things have changed. And even if those changes are small, See how even in the small ways you are more like Jesus now than you were then. And as we change to be more like Jesus, folks, that is how we are marked. We are marked by the grace that God has shown us. And people will see the difference in us. One of the most powerful ways and the daily way in which we do this, in which our character has changed to be more like Jesus, is that we put sin to death. We move away from who we were, sinners empowered by sin, and we move towards who we are, saints empowered by the Spirit. And that is a daily battle. It's a daily battle to become more like Jesus. And let's not kind of think that battle is like this big thing that lands on our plate in the morning. It isn't that. The battle to be more like Jesus, the battle to put sin to death, is a battle fought through a thousand little moments throughout the day. 
Our battle is for Christ-likeness in the traffic jam. Our battle is for Christ-likeness when dishes are left in the sink. Our battle is for Christ-likeness in the monotony of work. Our battle is for Christ-likeness when we get that unexpected bill through the door. Our battle is for Christ-likeness when we wake up and our body is weary and tired. Our battle is for Christ-likeness in those little moments throughout the day where we fight. And the more we fight, the more we become who we are. And so at Liberty Church, we will fight with each other. It looks like confessing sin to one another, constantly reminding each other to take hold of Jesus and with the help of his spirit, putting our sin to death. Can I ask you, are you doing that? Is your life open to that? Are you getting alongside other people and confessing of your sin and inviting in their prayers and their support and their help in this daily battle to be more like Jesus? We need to fight with each other, folks. And then here's the final area of transformation. It's maybe the one that we most often take for granted. God is transforming how we live. Those who've been brought into a relationship with God, that foundational transformation, those who've been brought into that relationship with God will live differently. Our eyes have been opened. We now see the world and the circumstances that we face in a different way than we did before. We understand pain and suffering differently. It now has an inherent meaning. We look at at creation differently. We see glory in, in the bird song and grace in the rain. We're able to see sin for what it is, slavery and death, and to walk away from it. And in every day, in every circumstance, we have access to real time peace hope and joy as the spirit of God dwells in us and we grow together in community. Yet, this life will still be hard. We will battle with sin until we die. And we will continue to be plagued with illness and we will continue to contend against the brokenness of this world. Which is why, as a church, as often as we can, we will draw our gaze towards the final transformation. Luke doesn't tell us what happens to Legion at the end of this passage. But we can assume, folks, that his life was hard. The scars that he carried were a physical reminder of the torment that he once faced. I'm sure he was anxious as he found himself in dark places and in the shadows he would have been embarrassed about his past i'm sure there was just that sense of shame as he walked through the the streets and he could hear his neighbors laughing at him whispering as he went past but legion is heading to a day when all of that will be gone god promises that after this life he will make all things new and that includes us his children Creation will be transformed and so will our bodies. In the new creation, Legion will sit with Jesus once again. And on that day, his scars will be gone. His reputation will be erased. And his fear will be replaced with unending joy. On that day, his transformation will be complete. And so will ours. So as much Liberty Church as we will pursue change today and encourage each other and fight with each other for the transformation that we are encouraged to step into today, as much as we will do that, 
We will also encourage each other to hope for the change that will be coming. When all of our scars will be gone. When our shame will be removed. And when our joy will be complete. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you refuse to leave us as we are. Thank you that for for all of history, you have planned to intervene in our brokenness and make a way for us to be in relationship with you. Thank you for sending your son. Jesus, we thank you for coming and living amongst us. We thank you that at the cross, you took on our sin and you were punished in our place. We thank you because that is true, because you rose again, that we can have a relationship restored with God. We are welcome. Father, we thank you that that we have received the unchangeable change. We have been moved from death into life. We thank you that that is a work that that cannot be undone. We also thank you that each day you are changing us, transforming us, working on our hearts, making us more into the image of your son. So we thank you for your word and how it transforms our knowledge of you. We thank you for how you work on our desires and help us to hold less onto the things of the world and to love you more. We thank you for how you are chipping away at our character each day in those thousand small moments to make us more like your son, Jesus. And we thank you for the eyes to see the world and our life for what it is now, but also the ability to see what is to come. We hope and long for that day. We pray that we would enjoy the work that you are doing now. Help us as a church to pursue transformation in our lives and in the lives of each other. We pray this, Father, for the glory of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray.